Hello. I wish to register a complaint. Oh, sorry. We're, uh, closing for lunch. Never mind that, my lad. I wish to complain about this podcast, what I purchased not half an hour ago from this very boutique. <laughs> oh, yeah? The Peggy Mount Calamity, huh? What's wrong with it? I'll tell you what's wrong with it. It's about 30 minutes too short. <laughs> nah, nah. You're playing it at the wrong speed. Look, and you... what's more, you very much failed to warn me from the outset of the profanity, the alcohol, and the factually dubious rambling contained therein. <laughs> Is that, uh, is that a problem? Listen here, young man. You can't very well go pushing content like this onto unsuspecting consumers without levying some sort of disclaimer into the bargain. What if my great-aunt had been listening? And was she? No, she's dead. <laughs> Look, that's not the point. Well, uh, you could use this, couldn't you? How do you mean you could record this bit and play it back at the start of each podcast? Well, I never... It's a sorry state of affairs, isn't it? Record my own disclaimer for the swearing, for the boozing, for the misremembering of performers' names who starred in forgotten sitcoms in the mid-1980s. I don't have to do this job, you know. I beg your pardon? I'm a qualified brain surgeon. Right, right. Have it enough of your plagiarism. You'll be bursting into song next. Start the podcast. On this week's programme, they're definitely dogging, aren't they? Yes. Is that what we're watching? Well, they've been through yes, all the cows, is. so... <laughs> They're just like, the, the, oh, if, if if we pretend to be chickens, then the other chickens, they'll come out. On the rider, there is a little asterisk, and below that, where it says milk, in uh-huh. brackets, this is not a verb. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Are you all right? Hello and welcome to the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour for the final time this series. I'm Dr Velvet. I'm Blackout. And we're here... Once again, to talk about the telly. Yes, hello to you. Thank you for joining us for the final casual cultural critique of vintage television of this series. Britain's best-loved battle axe is never far from our minds, because here, all roads lead to the mountain. If you head on over to PeggyMountPod.com, info and links for the episodes that we're discussing is in the show notes there. You can find us on the socials, get in touch to say hello, and suggest programmes you'd like us to cover. Before we push away from the dock, Dr. Velvet, I've got to uh-huh. ask what you... Oh, again. Hey, everyone, it's Ozzy Bognops again. Very good. Ozzy! Gentlemen, come back. Come in, come in. Thank you for joining us for the last show of the series. Thank you. Always a delight to have you back, sir. It was bitter out, so... <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> bitter out than in. Oh. I'm not even sorry. You didn't just say that. <laughs> Well, it sets Before the tone. Before we push away from the dog, yeah, Mr Oswald, what are you drinking? I've got the cabinet open. Well, I had red the last time I visited you hooligans, so I shall stick with the red, thank you very much, of a Spanish origin, if you'd be so kind. Excellent. Give him, give him the red tequila. <laughs> give him that. I'll do that. Can, I put, can, you, can you dilute it with a bit of Mad Dog, though? 
While I'm over here, Doctor, what do you want? It's the last show of the series. And that bottle of champers, that bottle of bubbly, e- is gl- winking at me, mind. Right, there you Get go. It up. Thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, marvellous, marvellous. Right, here we go. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at this. There's a knack to this sort of thing. Anyone got a sword? You're supposed a to do sword. a sword, aren't you? Your eye, I thought you did. Okay, here we go. Ooh, yeah. Oh, bloody okay, yeah. Nora, Bastard. man. It's gone all over. Sorry, 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 sorry. It's all right. Oh, it's all over the desk. Ken, sorry. Oh. Ken, you got a cloth. Ken. Just have to s- it's all right. Those trousers were due for the wash anyway. I have to suck it off me clothes. Right. <sighs> well, you two are all very fancy with your, uh, with your bottles of wine there. I am on... Mm-hmm. A bottle of Newcastle Brown. Oh. Mm. And I've also got a cheeky Jack Daniels on the go as well. I was waiting I for that. I was waiting bottle. for that. I knew I could see. It was just behind his mic. <laughs> you can just see it there. And mm-hmm. of course, it's a bottle. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do miniatures. Absolutely not. Well, yeah. cheers, gentlemen. Yes, absolutely. Up your flaps. And may I raise a toast while we're all here together to the very reason we're here today the grand. Dim Pegatha Mountbatten. Dim Pegatha. Dim Peggy. Cheers. God bless you. Bye. Absolutely. Ah, oh, wonderful. Right, while we're mopping up the desk, um, <laughs> Blackout, have you got any mail? You normally have mail about now, do you? I've got a letter. I, I do. Ah. I do have a letter. Smash <clears throat> it. Dear, dear Mountaineers. I could catch on. Why do the pair of you hold Golden Burns in such high esteem? Where was his calm, analytical composure when he came into the cubicle next to the one I was in at Washington Services when he suffered with a digestive upset? I know it was Gordon Burns, because he grunted, and what's your Krypton factor now after every rectal bluster? And also because I waited outside and watched him come out. He couldn't have washed his hands because I didn't hear the dryer. Yours, Barbara Winslow, address withheld. Thanks very much, Barbara. We'll um, we'll take care of that and put that with the... Uh, <laughs> With the others, thanks. Thanks very much. Fair comment, fair comment. Well, first cab off the rank. It's a bit of genius. Here comes Bod. Yes, the seminal Bod. Created in 1975, spun off from four books by Joanne and Michael Cole. It's about a small bald boy in a dress and the absolute misfits that he hangs around with instead of going to school or cleaning chimneys or whatever he should be doing. This episode is Bod and Breakfast, first show November 1975, produced by David Yates, narrated by John LeMessurier with Maggie Henderson, with music by Derek Griffiths. Here, Farmer Barleymore gets bored sitting on his government-subsidised farm and devises a way to make a few quid tax-free on the side. And it's beautiful. Oh, totally. So, for me... For me, nine pegs on the... La- oh, but I'm not doing that bit yet. Right. But... <laughs> Should we just find okay. out why first? I think that might be a good idea. My checklist, animation. I love crude animation. We've established that over the course of this series. Yep. Tick. Perfect. Highly, highly stylized. Oh, yeah. Highly. Music. I mean, it's a dream. The hot club to Shepherd's is, Bush. It's Griffiths. Ah, oh, this is just a dream. Uh, voices. John LeMessurier and Maggie Henderson. I mean, again. Oh. And no arms. Everything about this, everything about this works. Everything works. That's my starter for 10. There you go. <laughs> Can't argue with that. Tell me I'm wrong, because I won't believe you. <laughs> so wait. John LeMessurier, 
at this point, right, in 75, he was a Shakespearean stage actor, a, mm-hmm. a BAFTA-winning television dramatic actor. Mm-hmm. How the mm-hmm. fuck does he get the bod gig? Who's come up to... Is, is this because Arthur Lord did the Mr. Men the year previous? It could well be. And, he's, well and be. he's looked at him and he's gone, I think I want some of that money, mind. I think you could be right. Uh-huh. I think you could be right. It could well be. And my God, he was perfect casting. Oh, no, he absolutely was, yeah. He's, don't get Can me wrong, think he's brilliant. Can you think of anybody else, though? How, Can you think of anybody how... else who could do that? <laughs> With that level of laid-back, just nonchalance. He's probably smoking a jetan whilst he reads it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With every line. Can we, in fact, I, I don't think... Could, can we just have a quick blast of his voice? Oh, yes, please. Here we go. Ken, spin the tape. Farmer Barnabas' chickens all got out in the gale last night, says Aunt Lo. They're up in the trees. Pretend to be a chicken with me, and they may come down to us. Go on, Flo, and pot. Lovely. Beautiful. Oh. So at the start of this episode, Bod's walking along, right? Aunt Flo's mm-hmm. acting a bit odd. She's off her tits on Ket. She is. <laughs> Frank the Postman and PC Copper are just, they're just watching her. They're definitely dogging, aren't they? Yes. Is that what we're watching? Well, they've been through all yes, the cows, is. so. <laughs> they're just like, the, the, oh, if, if, if we pretend to be chickens, then the other chickens, they'll come out. She is fucking crackers. Well, at this point, what <laughs> she clearly like, says... Is that really what you were doing before I got here? Okay. She clearly says, hold on to your tits and bounce up and down, because that's that's all she's doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is. Looking like a hen. Looking like, looking like a <laughs> cock. <laughs> well, she's got the Hoxton facelift, that bun. Bloody Nora. You're not kidding. <laughs> that's like a ball on top of her head. Good God. <laughs> And she's got four strands no. of hair coming down from it. I mean, this is a worry. Yeah, and look at one of the other methods that they use to try and round the hens up. I quote from John Le Mesurier, PC Copper mounts a donkey. <laughs> no, you know what? Don't, because I've got this in my notes here as well. Precisely that. That's all I need to know. That's where we are, That's where we are for this episode, is it? Right, OK. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I didn't realise it was that kind of show. There yeah. we have it. And I have to say, in all of this... What a shit farmer Ballymore is. Oh, yeah. Just lets all the animals out and then gets the rest of the entire universe to bring the... Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mind, when he turns around and he's like, I know, I could turn my farmhouse into an Airbnb. Have the policeman and the postman got nothing better to do than to just hang around helping? Let me tell you now, after what they've been caught doing in the woods, yes, what they're right. opening, what they're opening... Is a rural swingers club. That's what's I think going they really on. Really are just because Anne Flo's there, bobbing up and down, going, "Sorry, officer, I was trying to attract cock." <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, when the three of them turn up, having sent the letter, Anne Flo and Farmer Ballymore are standing either side of the door, like they're going to shoot them when they walk through. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes, they are. Ops or something. I don't know. I'll tell you what I found quite um, surprising. is I don't know if it's surprising, because she is like this. Um, so Farmer Barleymout, there's no relationship between Barleymout and Anne Flo. No relationship established in any other episode. Correct. She lives right. in her own house. Okay. So she's muscled her way in. Uh-huh. Oh, I, I'll open this up. Hang on. Everyone leaves, and she stays there. She stays the night with Farmer Barleymout. Uh, go on, Flo. Go on, lass. I've got a funny feeling that when they say... 
bed and breakfast, what they mean is knocking shop. Indeed. Of course they do. Something hot it's on the kitchen table. table. I think it's disgusting. <laughs> uh-huh. And worse still, they get to stay there for now. Is it well it's if you didn't need anything else, there's Barley Mow bouncing up and down on yes, the bed. I did wonder there's about only one that. bed. There's only one bed. I can't have everyone here in bed with me. And Missouri says this with such innocence. Yeah. So we've done the bit and they all walk off without arms and then we cut to live studio and clearly what is the Siberia for any production assistant having to operate the, the animal models or all the sort of wipes and stuff. The, the ram appears over the over the hill, as it were, and when it, when it goes down again, the next thing I want to see is a red-faced man. My God, I've got that. Yes. I've got that on my notes. This when they you just we cut to the shot of a hill. Yes. And yep. this pair of horns appear. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Maggie Henderson's voice going, Ooh, who's this? Oh. This looks suspiciously like Black Philip, the Caprine based earthly form of the Lord Satan, coming over the hill <laughs> yes. to play Mary Helen at B and B. Let's have a snatch of Maggie Henderson. Yes, please. It's an animal with horns. Now a cow's got horns. No, they're too curly for a cow's horns. What else has got horns? Ah, whose face is that? It's a sheep. See? See what I mean? Is it just me, or does she sound incredibly impatient and short-tempered? I definitely get the impression. I definitely get the impression that Maggie wasn't involved in any other aspect of the show. She wanted. She signed up for it. She wanted to hang out Mm. with Griffiths and Le Measure, and they're like, "No, no, you come in for Saturdays for your bit, Maggie." (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then five pink piglets. I mean, the pink piglets, I mean, that is really... Ah. Uh, I mentioned earlier about the crude animation. Yes. Now yeah. we're just uh, we're just there. It's now. 101. Here we go. Know. And then a song that lovely. doesn't even have scansion. <laughs> five pink piglets feeding from the trough. And should one uh-huh. pink piglet be suddenly pushed off? Hang on a minute. You know, it's, it's hardly the Dalai Lama. Mm. Credit where it's due. She could have said pulled off. She could... <laughs> which, which in effect they were, and pulled off and shaken because actually, if I remember rightly, it's like the instantly, instantly we've become every podcast that we didn't want to be, listener. <laughs> and it's my fault, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> to be fair, no, to it's Bob's fault. After 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 ten episodes, man, it had to happen in this series. You know what I mean? It had to happen. We finally evolved. After, blackout. After all of these years doing this, it yeah. had to happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah. You know we've we have avoided. This level of sort of entry level nostalgia so far. Credit where it's due. Yes. So Bod for me, here we are with those voices, that animation. It's it's an it's a whole aesthetic. It's a whole feel. It's a whole mood. Me as a four year old, five year old. The world is a safe place. You're lying on the sofa of an afternoon, all snug. It's quite quiet. It's quite peaceful. Are you off school because you're poorly? I am. Chicken soup. Or it's you're the a holidays. sickly child. <laughs> Yeah, or it's or sometimes it was repeated on a Sunday morning. It was, yeah, it did. And and it was it was it was just all lovely and cosy and toasty and safe and warm and lovely. I know this says a lot about my psychological profile, but there we are. But bod, up to this point, yeah, I was going to say you're talking about the bod. You're talking about the bod segment. Yes, because we haven't got to the other important segment here. We haven't. I'm talking about about bod, and we haven't spoken about the frog in the room yet. And then. We get to Mr. Alberto Frog. Yes. You see, dear listener, this this is why we invite him round. Ken, can we just have a, a, a round of applause for Ken 
for pushing that piano up 78 flights of stairs. Indeed, backwards. Well done, Gad. Well done, Gad. But but thank you for making me go back down for the bastard key. Just before we get to Alberto Frog, there's this curious little thing, which is another one of these BBC Siberia things, which is hmm. um, you cut animals in half and put a paper fastener through and then yes. spin the wheel. Yeah. What's that yeah. about, yeah, yeah. please? It's fine as a concept. Mm. You know, if you were to get it, you know, sort of make it as a puzzle yourself, cutting out stuff out of like a book or whatever. Mm. As yeah, television, yeah. it seems a bit drawn out. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, when it she's does. some. It does. Again, listener, go to the show notes, have a click, look on the episode. It's. it's. I could describe it, it sounds more complicated. They're basically spinning a bit round where. The tops and the bottoms of the animals don't match, and she's like, "Oh, well, now, now, what's the pig got? No, it's got a goose's ass." Uh, and you're like, "Well, just turn it one more time, woman. Yeah, and we'll That's go, all you need to do." There's four do you of know, them, you know. There's a, there's only four of them. Do you not? Have you not worked out how this works yet? Hey, Maggie. Now, when the hippos decide that the the orchestra's playing shit, and typical, it is actually the horn section of an orchestra because they are the first to complain, apparently. <laughs> This is why we invite him. Carry on. Um, so let's go to a, a bed and breakfast, and um, you know. So the- yeah. Before, before we get that far, yes, we're in Alberto Fro- Alberto Frog now. We are. Right. Are we? I hadn't even noticed. Go on. <laughs> the Alberto Frog bit. Yeah. It's not even animated. I know. It's absolutely. Uh, I beg yeah. your pardon. It's one, just, uh, no, no. It's just one pan and is. scan shots of static drawings. What a fucking rip-off yeah. for a supposedly animated show. I put my foot through the licence fee and sent Maggie Henderson the bill. Yeah. But let's not forget one thing, gentlemen. It is very important to note that none of the orchestra play off music. So they are versatile. Very. Very. Given that some of them Does don't that, even have limbs... Or opposable thumbs to hold the damn things. So it's basically jazz, is what you're saying. Yeah. Ozzy, I know that you dabble now and again in a bit of music. It has been known, yes. Now and again, you've played the accordion down at your local. Well, I was second bassoon in the East Acton Fire Brigade Auxiliary Band. You've got got the CV, mate. You've got the CV. No one's doubting your credentials. (laughs) Um, There are 105 animals turn up to this... Uh, bed and breakfast. That this is part of his troop, yes. part of Alberto's troop. One hundred and five. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. In this, in this, in this orchestra, is that is that decent in your opinion? I think that's extremely decent. However, whilst they have no music stands, they also don't appear to have any chairs. The only people who thought about this are the squirrels who've brought a tree. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. And I have two questions. Yes. Is the farmer yep. in the Alberto Frog section actually Farmer mm. Barnibal? Is this no. his bed and breakfast? Is this just no. how he looks when he's not being rendered by an artist who's on crystal meth? <laughs> <laughs> and the other question, how come Alberto Frog has a name while the others are just chimp, hippo, tiger? Yeah. There's yeah. more than one of the other animals. Uh-huh. They need names. I'll... Alberto's yeah. just fucking showing off. Indeed. Plus, yeah, he, is. he, you know, when he goes to the most miserable cow in the herd, and I thought, oh, charming. And then, you know, they need to play something to cheer them up. <laughs> And then they started to play something out of bastard copyright. Yeah. yeah. How convenient. I smell the BBC at its best. Uh Uh-huh. I loved. Play some hen music. Some fucking what? Exactly. Some hen-type music. And it's like, so how do they think together? 
because just play some yeah. hen like music. So what do you do? He'd wave his stick and they just go, oh, we know this. It's it's cocks and chicks from the Sansons Carnival, the animals. We'll all play it without music, standing up. I think if we bring this full circle, what they're going to do is play the stripper and Aunt Flo will come on and bring on the hens. <laughs> Every yeah. house has a fucking milkshake powder sachet hidden in it somewhere, which is for him. So, uh, oh, in the world of him, yeah, and Alberto Frog's world, absolutely. You know, it does. The frog will turn up to everybody's house in the world across every series, and so they've got to have a particular flavour. And by the time they get to the end, it's frog flavoured, <laughs> which apparently is just like chicken. Yes, of course. When it you is. book Alberto Frog, the rider turns up on two sheets of A4 paper. <laughs> The first page says milk. The second page says shake. That's it. The important thing to uh, that it's on the rider. There is a little asterisk, and below that, where it says milk in uh-huh. brackets, this is not a verb. So, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> Ken, this episode is filth. So we go round and round and round. We go to. I'm afraid blackout. This is where you fall down because you said this part isn't animated. When Alberto Frog is drinking his milkshake, yes. there we I have d- it. Had I zoned out by then? Evidently I had. Evidently you had. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. You missed Bod Snap. It's the best bit. So they put in one animated segment. Is that what you're saying? And that qualifies it for the uh, the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature of 1975. <laughs> that, that's why it got on the list, did it? Yes. Because, oh, no, look. Alberto Frog moves his arm. And when we get to Bod Snap... I love that. Oh, what the fuck is this bit? Is, All of a sudden, no, we're playing non-interactive Snap. We're playing Snap against the television with cards we don't have. It's not complete unless we have Bod Snap. It's beautiful. Where the fuck does this come from? It is insane. It's beautiful, it's but fantastic. the two characters... Yeah, they might be the same character, but they're not wearing the same clothes. I reckon Platignum pulled out of the deal and they ran out of felt tips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, something's happened along the line. Oh, they've left the, the image on the window and it's faded. Possibly, um, but yeah. But possibly. Snap, I want, I want those cards. Yeah. I want those cards. Absolutely. <laughs> and I love the fact that it was probably 180 people on the production team for this, and there's two cards at the end: John Lemessurier and Maggie Henderson, written and produced by Michael Call, BBC 1975. That's it. Nobody else. Totally. Well, Derek Griffiths gets a. You gets see, a this is the this is the redeeming feature: Lord Griffiths of clarinet. And yeah. and mm-hmm. and penny whistle, and somewhere there is a CD you can buy of the music from Bod. Obviously, there's, it's not a very long CD, um, but at the end of it, there's about a twenty-minute interview with Derek Griffiths talking about how he came up with the music, the fact he played the clarinet and the tin whistle, and he did the scat singing and all the rest of it. Um, it was basically a one-man band, and absolutely perfect music. It's back to these things oh. you were saying, Doctor. The elements that make the show up. Apart from the animation, obviously. So there we are. Bod. How many... <laughs> how many pegs, blackout, are you going to place upon the line to hang up and Flo's frock? As much fun as Bod is. Mm. It's very charming, but it's cluttered and it's absolutely crackers. I can only award this particular episode five out of nine. No! I think well, you're wrong. wrong. Over to you, Ozzy. Right. Well, having been used to your manner in these little Ice Steadfords over the weeks and years, um, I know that you can actually snap pegs in half. And I am going to give this episode of Bod six and a half out of nine. 
Ooh, and the reason okay. is very simple okay. because the mm-hmm. features are typical. The atmosphere is warm and welcoming, and apart from anything else, John LeMessurier, Maggie Henderson, and Derry Griffiths. What more can I say? Before sound reasoning. Before the good doctor puts his uh, puts his vote in, mm. I want to say that I do respect your six and a half. Mm. And I completely understand where you're coming from, but I do think there's too much in this episode that's too easy to take the piss out of. It's sort of playing to the crowd. Have you bit. seen the others? Not recently. Ah. They're Which all... means, if anything, I should probably have marked it lower then. <laughs> <laughs> well. Dr. Velvet, how many pegs would you put on the line for Bod? Here we go, with a nine. There we there are. We expected. Are. Fully expected. Absolutely. Bravo, yeah, was... sir. Bravo was nearly 10. It was nearly 10. Okay. But it's nine out of nine pegs for Bod. Oh, how many steps up the mountain? Are we going to walk similarly to the characters in Bod? Blackouts. I am going to do this motherfucker in two steps. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Kaboom. Bear with me. The Alberto Frog segments of Bod are narrated by Maggie Henderson, who appeared in the third episode of Cannon and Ball, which in its next series would also feature Peggy Mount. You don't put enough into it! Sterling work, sir. Sterling work. What about yourself, Dr Velvet? Also in two. Ooh. Oh, yes, yes. Brace yourself. Here we go. Bod is narrated by John LeBazurier, who featured in the Roger of the Raj episode of Ripping Yarns with Joan Sanderson, who starred in the 1955 TV movie Robinson and Co. with Peggy Mark. Dare I say the word? Excellent, sir. Excellent, excellent. And even two, I like this. An even two. Ozzy Bognops, what you got? I'm about to continue with an even two, gentlemen. Ooh. The music for Bod is by Derek Griffiths, who starred in the 1972 film Up the Front with Frankie Howard, whose own 1969 Canadian sitcom featured in its first episode, Peggy Matt. What have I triggered of? <laughs> Thank you. Fantastic work. Amazing. Amazing. That's what Very we're here good. for. Indeed. Isn't it? Isn't it? And a reason not to be here is to go to the shops. So I shall take and flow in one arm, wave my arms about like a cock, and go and see what I can buy. Wake up in the morning, wanting some breakfast. What am I gonna spread on my toes? Made with pure sunflower oil And with the taste that'll make you shine Oh, bite light I keep it shining all through the daytime When day is done, well, you know what I like oh, what's that? Oh, come on, y'all Bite light Yeah, good night Everyone loves a club. 
Have you ever seen a biscuit so chunky? Lubba, 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 lubba. Thick as a brick and chocolatey. Lubba, 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 lubba. Have you ever seen such variety? Lubba, 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 lubba. Let me hear it now, lubba. Lubba, 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 lubba. And that was that. There we are. Buy the things. Buy the things. Get them do, bought. Do buy the things. Get them bought. Yeah, do people a favour. Buy them. Um, okay. Blackout, you're looking for you're looking furtive and you're clutching something in your mitts. Do you have another <laughs> foot of no concerned yes when do we start getting second post <laughs> is this, is this the old post? Days? is the war on <laughs> right you know what I mean? uh, there's going to be because i thought that only happened in sitcoms anyway, yeah no right we've had another letter i shall read it thus um to the proprietors i wonder if you could settle an argument for me I swear that in the early 1990s, I watched an episode of Channel 4 discussion programme After Dark in which Oliver Reed challenged Peggy Mount to recount the opening line of every Bond film and then, when she did so successfully, berated her for including Never Say Never Again, resulting in an altercation in which Reed suffered bruised pride and a fractured jaw. I am unable to locate clips of this on YouTube and if I don't find evidence of it soon, I'll owe Big Dave £20 I don't have. Yours, hopefully, Ron Seal from Fenston. Well, thanks for writing in, Ron. As you know, our remit on the show only covers TV programmes of the 70s and 80s, so I'm afraid we're unable to confirm if that actually happened. That was Hilda Baker and Newsnight. Pay the man. Yes. Ron Seal, do you have trouble getting wood? (laughs) Very good. Can we just varnish over that and then get on to the next... Ah, very good. So, anyway... Thanks. For, thank you very much for your letter, Ron. Uh, we we treasure that. We'll we will keep that with the others. As a famous comedian, we will hear about in the ensuing vendetta. Said, my act does what it says on the tin. It dulls to a dry finish. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can't uh, guess who that is, well, he's on this. Days was a period light entertainment show filmed at the Leeds City Varieties Theatre, shown on the BBC from 1953 to 83. It recreates the glory days of Victorian and Edwardian music hall using songs from that setting, as well as variety acts covering dance, comedy, conjuring, acrobatics, among others. At the time of its broadcast, many contemporary performers appeared, providing they could tailor their acts to fit with the music hall aesthetic. As well as the ornate theatre and stage costumes, the audience would also come along in reproduction period dress. Throughout all of this, the house lights stay up and half of the show is spent looking at them singing along and having a right old time. This episode was in February 1976. Under the auspices of booming compare Leonard Sachs and band leader Bernard Herman, it features the talents of Jeannie Harris, Chantal and Dumont, Albert Aldred and the iconic Les Dawson, all of which is opened by the magnificent Peggy Mount! Yay! Oh yes! What I love about the beginning of this, which is clearly jingoism made flesh... 
is the Amdram Music Society bus trips that populate the audience. And I love the fact, as you say, that the house lights are up, so people are looking at them for... The cameras are looking at them for a lot of the episode. And at the beginning, they all start the sing-song. And they always have to find two or three people who do not know the words. I think that's the I rule, that. isn't it? It's, I know where, that. Where's, and, where's the fun in filming people who know how to sing along? <laughs> well, yeah. The, it's it, and Also, you're not telling me they're not handed the words when they go in. One woman is clearly reading the words and still my her mouth is moving incorrectly. <laughs> She's still getting it wrong. It's it's written down, sweetheart. What do you want us to do? What's with that creepy-ass doll? that we see yeah. at the very beginning. Yeah. It is quite an arresting opening, isn't it? It is. It's, hor- it's horrible. It's horrible. And the big question is, where is it? Because is it in the auditorium? In which case, is it sitting watching the show? What you don't realise is, it's 18 foot tall. <laughs> and it's on the roof of the theatre. Speaking of which, the, the, the director and producer of this, every single episode of this amazing series, was a man called Barney Callahan. And Barney Callahan's other two great claims are It's a Knockout and Top of the Pops. There you are. There we there go. Are. So, anyone of our age, you basically owe your childhood to this man. And if you ever look at a photograph of this man, he looks like Will Flunn. Um, the, the, the wilderness years. <laughs> what, you mean he's just engulfed in flames? Engulfed in flames with a massive tash. <laughs> Hang on. Will Flun, the wilderness years. What is that? Naked, covered in shit. Yes, that too. <laughs> and on fire, yes. <laughs> yes, of course. Of course, and we know where the wicks are. Um, I've invented a thing to burn the shit off. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, God bless getting him. back to our beloved heroine, um, the eponymous <laughs> yeah. Madame Mount, the first song uh-huh. they sing appears to have been mm. written in about the 1500s. We're getting ready for a mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> is yes, this that's the, right. the Dalai Lama strikes again or something? She takes to the stage and she is, without doubt, she, of course she's been a little character piece, she's a char lady, but once again... She's a terrifying char lady that you wouldn't cross. In fact, if she was cleaning, you would pay her treble because you'd be terrified she bollocked you and shouted at you. The woman is terrifying the whole time. Even when she's singing, stroke talking, she is terrifying. Now, this is a bizarre thing that was picked up by Mrs Blackout, where she's like, she's not really singing, is she? Because I'd point out that she's definitely got the stage presence for being, it's Rex there, Harrison for, in a frog. for being in the show. No, that's exactly what Mrs. Blackout said. She's like, she can't sing, because I'm like, she hasn't really got... Uh, she's got the presence, but she hasn't got the power and she hasn't got the range. Yeah. So she's basically just doing that thing where she just talks very loudly, slightly in tune. She's a well-moderated she's baritone got, who sings beside the tune, I think, basically. It's sort yeah. of like... <laughs> she's She's got the power. Oh, it's, my God. And not the music. No, again, not the musical power. She couldn't belt out a note. Oh no, no, no! But I'm talking about. I'm talking about volume. Oh, no, 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 not volume. She's got. But apart from she that, she opened the first note. She opened the first note, and the tuck shop <laughs> in the foyer went through the window. It did. I'm telling you now, there was cornettos from arsehole to breakfast there time were. in that foyer. I'm telling you now. <laughs> Have you noticed that the city varieties in Leeds only has one way off? There is no. There's a yes. door on one side. Yep, yep, absolutely this. So if you have choreographed your act to leave stage right, you're fucked. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> like clearly the dancers who were the next act had done. Yes. Now this God is an almighty. act. This is, this is an act that is as funny as a sinus wash, for me. Agreed. Um, Agreed. <laughs> so what we've got here is yeah. a woman who looks like Servalan from Blake Seven it's with a tight perm. Yeah. And a man who looks like Servalan as well. Well, what what the hell's he wearing? Right. It's not just me, is it? The guy doing the comedy ballet thing, he mm. is Prince Adam out of He-Man, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Do you know it's what? not a... Yeah, it it's, it's something very... Yeah, predates it. I'm not saying... Something. I'm, yeah. I'm not saying that He-Man was based on this, but <laughs> think of the adventures that guy has got on the streets of Leeds when he steps outside the theatre, providing yeah. he turns the right way. Uh, we then move into a, this magician... No, we don't. No, we it's, don't. It's, it's the, it's, it's, sorry, it's a German lady. The German it's lady. Jeannie who Harris. Us, isn't it? Who I completely are glazed over. Now, she's a soubrette. Now, that today seems to translate... She's a what? A, she's a soubrette. Basically, a belt-voiced, torn-deaf, really, big mouth. I'm really woman. sorry for her. I'm so right, okay. thankful that Dr Velvet asked the question before I did, because a what? Yeah, a soubrette. <laughs> Basically, the one that plays comedy roles in operas. Oh, one of them. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. clearly, I repeat my previous question. Yeah. A what? <laughs> How? Just <laughs> Nenny, your lips, son. She was in Never the Twain, you know. That's all you needed to say. Come on. <laughs> Thank you. That's the definition last, of a soubrette, at, ladies and gentlemen. At last, Bognops, a reference we can cope with. Yeah. But of course, coming on here talking about opera. <laughs> we wade through this. Yeah. Yeah. You you mentioned magic, right? There, there's no magic here. A poor man's Jack Douglas. Mixed with Tommy Cooper. <laughs> right, if I can... Uh, if I can just hold up my notes. Magician Larry Parker has an air of Jack Douglas about him. Thank yeah, you very much. Right. Thank you. Now, can I read my notes out to you? Because this is going to be the, the real... Uh, is yours just a drawing of Jack Douglas? Larry Parker. <laughs> ah. The, the Poundland Jack Douglas. But I then go on. I've seen him live as a boy and an adult, and I have have to confess, I cry with laughter every time I see him. The false hand bag routine is a classic, and what he does with five balloons is simple but effective, especially when he gets the rabbit out. I cried again. Unfortunately, most of that is bollocks. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dear me, how... No, I'm, I'm pretty sorry. sure I... that right now, if producer Ken had a microphone, he'd be going, yeah, hey! <laughs> right? And waggling his glasses, presumably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm soft as clag me, and I've got a lot... You, you know that I give a lot of credence to, to certain things that maybe don't deserve it because I have a certain emotional attachment to them. Yeah. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't hack this. I couldn't. It was... No. It, it bored me. It bored me. Right. No. But, I mean, the thing no. is, this guy <laughs> went on for decades. He did the cruise ships. He became very big in Germany, I discovered. And Funnily enough, you mentioned that. Funnily enough, you mentioned that, because I've got written in my notes here, this is the longest magic act in the history of variety. <laughs> OK, so he clears off, and yes. then guess what? She's Peggy's back. back. She's back. Peggy's back. Oh, I, I met a tramp all alone in a camp. The thing is, these songs were big sellers in the 1910s, 1920s, and we've lost this kind of plainness. Everything has to be sophisticated now. You know, songs about, I don't know, the old bull and bush and things like that. Now, bear in mind, when it began, mm. 
back in the 50s, the good old days was calling back to an era which had ended around 40 years earlier-ish. Yeah. You know, it sort yeah. of petered out. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so a lot of the audience, both in the theatre and at home, did have first-hand memories of the show's reminiscences. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. there's no one in that room that's under 40, mm-hmm. except for, like, maybe a couple of the dancers. Yeah. And yet, now as we watch this programme for the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour, the good old days ended almost 40 years ago. True. So yeah. we're sort of leapfrogging that look back. The original Music Hall era is something that now exists almost entirely as documented history rather mm-hmm. than first-hand recollection. And the good old days may be one step removed, but it in itself is part of that history. Yep. Which I really like about it. Uh-huh, yep. As, yeah. So, as clunky as it is... Yeah, oh. I definitely, definitely get the impression that this was something that was on week in, week out. There's a reason mm-hmm. that when I was a kid, <gasps> this was a program that all people watched. I used to hate yes. this. I'd have no interest in this. And yet now, I absolutely love it, which probably tells you a lot. Agreed. It was and- fan- no, no, no. It was, fa- it was fantastic. And I'll, I'll tell you now, as a kid, I remember watching this at, at seven or eight year old. In fact, this is where I first ever saw Hinge and Brackets. Oh, okay. Get in. And yeah, Marvelous this stuff. is where I... Did this program and it was a New Year's special, I believe, uh-huh. and introduced me to Hinge and Bracket, and I ah oh, no, this era the whole the whole feel of it, the whole aesthetic of it, people getting together and just enjoying themselves. It just takes me again, takes me back to my childhood. Wonderful, and the thing I love about it is it was very faithful. You know, you could have transplanted this in a time machine to the era it was on. And it would have been no different. It would have wouldn't have been contemporary. It wouldn't have been ineffectual. It wouldn't have ineffectual. It wouldn't have been disrespectful. It was absolutely one hundred percent cast iron. What the era was like, and at this yep. t- when it finished in nineteen eighty three, there were still summer seasons. Theatres still had summer seasons, and this mm-hmm. shit, yeah. uh, this shit, this wonderful material was still being done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is both the best thing and the worst thing about the show. I think this is probably why I didn't get on with it when I was little. It mm. wasn't aimed at me when I was little. That's absolutely fine. Um, yeah, yeah. It seemed to, it seemed to absolutely sort of drag on because I wasn't interested in any of the acts. Uh, whereas yeah. now, it's not even like I'm remembering back to my childhood. It's let's say this weird sort of authentic glimpse into another era. It's like a story of your granddad's. Yes. When he was like telling a tale from when he was a little boy, you're not going to get screen. that firsthand again. That's right. That's yeah, it. Yeah. That's that's your link in. You know. That's right. No, you're right. You're right. And when I when it was on the TV, um, it used to be on quite late of a Saturday night. I think. That's right. Yeah. Sometimes as late as half past ten. Well, um, and I think I remember sometimes it being on, and when my mum and dad had come. They, they, I had a babysitter and they'd come back in from being out and they'd switch this on and then they'd start singing the songs. Yeah. And it was like, oh, and to a seven-year-old, I mean, my mum and dad weren't that old, but it just felt like, oh, this is your era, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, was, yeah. it wasn't, but it just felt like that. And uh, But they were enjoying it. But I was getting a, I was getting a, a real piece of their past, as I thought. Of course, <laughs> my mother and father were not Victorians. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, but yeah, but, but it, just, it just felt like that. Bizarre. And yet you were getting something that they'd been relayed when they exactly. were children. 
Yeah. Exactly. Which was it's, which yeah, was... this weird sort of time vortex that mm, we're not going to get yeah. that again. That's all I'm saying. And they no, tried I, it, totally. and they've and as you said, it falls into two camps. Do they do it affectionately and authentically, or do they, they not? Should. All right, Peggy goes off, and it's magic time again, folks. This again. time with le- with leopard skin. More magic. It really is. Um, but you know, leopard skin, and why is the assistant dressed as a red bellboy? <laughs> and I wondered that. Yeah, this good is point. Some, this is someone called Jan Mad. I'm assuming it's Jan Mad rather than Jan Mad. Is did he pronounce it Jan Mad? I have Doesn't no he, idea. Leonard, I believe he says Jan Mad. It's is there not an S missing from that? Have a <laughs> <laughs> have a quick gander in the show notes for this. I've put up a picture. Jan Mad is basically Noel Fielding's dad. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's not, it's not a bad thing, but it's like me. You're you're ahead of your time, but you're not rocking that look as quite as well as you think you are. Um, yeah. So we move on past this, and then there are two words. Two words that make me sit up, take notice, and know we're in for a good ride. Les Dawson. I completely and totally agree with you. Uh, those two words would always guarantee my fullest attention um, for the first time I saw him when I was a kid, right up to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even now, if, if he even features on anything on TV, I have to see it. Absolutely, without a doubt. And do you know what What I love specifically about this is that Dawson is in his element right totally. now. Dawson, totally. Dawson was a wordsmith. He yes. loved language. Yeah. And who else loved language? The Victorians. They really yeah. would... They, 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 oh, they made love to language, the Victorians. Indeed. It was a very literary era. And Dawson, this is his audience right now. He's got them. He plays them like a violin. He does. It is absolutely wonderful. Music Hall has just come to life right now, and it's well, true natural about, splendor. He's got about five, four, five minutes of stand-up at the start, which is passable. It's, it wanders around the sort of the mother-in-law jokes and the fat jokes, and mm. you know it's a, it's of the era, it's of the seventies mm-hmm. era, not the Music Hall era. That's Indeed. Fine, you know, we'll we'll let that slide because that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong, he completely telegraphs the piano act, but oh, that's yeah. what he's there. That's what he's there for. I don't mind that. Of course. But when of course. when Dawson turns round and looks at that piano, I get exactly the same reaction <laughs> as when yes. as when Eric Morkan walks onto the stage and says nothing. You just yeah. he never fails to re- him looking at the piano. Yes. It's like Eric Morecambe mm-hmm. looking at the audience. You start smiling then before he's yeah, even done the act. And this there is, lies the genius of the man. There you this go. is yeah, someone absolutely in love with their craft. Yes. It is a joy to watch. And this show was made for him. Oh, it God, was. absolutely. Yeah. But so, the yeah. other so, thing is, that, that, mm-hmm. this now we turn to, as you say, the moment he turns and takes in the piano that's there, um, I just... That's it. That's that's me completely gone, because you're now going to see a master of his art. Can I bring something in now, Ozzy? Yes, indeed. Okay, I'm going to bring something in. So, all right, Les, part of Les's act, he plays certain pieces. He plays the bum notes. He does. And there are certain there are certain people out there who genuinely believe that Les can't play the piano, and you hear it all the time. You'll you'll be sitting watching Les Dawson with someone, and then there's someone in the room who always says. You know, you've got to be really good 
at playing the piano to be able to do that. And they're, 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 they say it with such uh, authority, such yes. informed authority, and they think they're really clever. But it's obvious. Of course it is. Now, like I say before, you've played the accordion round at your local, That's the Frog right. and Pump. Indeed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, can you can you do the same for us? I can have a go. Go on, go on. Now, right. what, what did he used to? What did, what did he always used to play? Oh, what you was... beautiful doll. So here we there go. There you go. All right. Um, let me just have a go at this. Okay. <laughs> and the thing is, the one a thing on a round of applause for Ozzy Bognops. Thank you, thank you very much. I'm available for cabaret, so I, I just love the fact if you watch him play the piano now, as you yourself have said, Doctor. People say, oh, yes, well, you have to be a really good player to do that. Watch how he plays the piano. Never mm-hmm. mind. Watch the fact that he has, his mind has calculated every single wrong note to the point that if you watch him, there's video clips all over the place on certain streaming sites, and there's one where he plays the very last note of Oh, You Beautiful Doll, and he plays it with such force with his index finger like it was always going to be an F natural or whatever the hell it is. It's absolutely genial. But it's as I said, it's not just the fact he plays the wrong notes, it's how he does it. Love it. Love it. Tremendous, isn't it? The like of which we'll never see again. Ever. Alas. Never. Ever. And a great note to end it on. And the programme itself finishes on its kind of a signature ending theme, which is a, a grand old does. sing-along. Yeah, yeah, grand old sing-along. The old bull and bush. The old bull and the bush. Indeed. It's, it's a very nice pub. Go there, buy the things. We start the programme with an 18-foot plastic shit rag holder and we end it with the bull and bush. So that's good. That's good. There you are. Um, what more can be said? It brings us to, yeah, it brings us to the end of the good old days. Okay, gentlemen, pegs upon the line, Victorian wooden pegs on the line, blackout. What's your what's your call? For me, eight out of nine. Oh, there we go. That's the highest mark of this series. What about you, Mr. Bognops? For me, also, eight out of nine. Oh, nice. Come on, Dr. Velvet. What is it? Two's company, three's in agreement, eight out of nine. Excellent job. So that's that. There we are. We're done. We're done for another series, Blackout. We are. Thank you once again, dear listener, for stopping by here. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email PeggyMountPod at gmail.com or we are at PeggyMountPod on Twitter. You can also find us by searching for the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour on Facebook. Leave us a message there. Don't forget to go to PeggyMountPod.com to check out links and show notes for this episode. It's as simple as that. Thank you so much for tuning in all throughout this series, for staying with us through our drunken ramblings about the telly that we used to watch. We're going to leave with a little bit of a surprise from Ozzy Bognops. He's Uh going to help us to say goodbye. Um... There are some specials coming up. You haven't heard The Last of Us. But for now, um, we're going to take a little bit of a break. Until later in the year, keep mountain and keep bull and bushing.
Peggy Mount Calamity Hour is a free podcast from iPaul Media which holds production copyright. Opinions and recollections expressed are not to be taken as fact. The title and credit music is by Dr. Velvet. This music is by Ozzy Pognops. Audio segments from television programmes are presented for review and informational purposes only under fair use. No ownership of these is claimed or implied by this show. For more information, visit PeggyManPod.com. Fabulous. Fabulous. Yeah. Do you reckon they know we're pissed? What have I triggered over? <laughs>